Hi, this is Eddie Markham, pastor of River of Life Church, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for taking the time and listening to our podcast. Hopefully you're going to be inspired and impacted by our message today. I also want to let you know what's going on here at River of Life. God has just been blessing us, and we have outgrown our facility, and the time has come for us to get into a new building. We need to get into a bigger building. So we have kicked off a building campaign this year, and we are moving forward. And God is blessing it. So we are reaching out to you, our podcast listening audience. And just want to encourage you that if you would like to participate and make a donation into our building fund, please head over to our website. It's www.rol-ag.com. And right on the homepage there is a little donate button. Click on that. Follow the instructions and just sow your seeds, sow into this ministry and help us make this happen. I want to say thank you in advance, and I pray God continue to bless you and impact your life as you listen to the ministry at River of Life. We've been in a series all month long called The Paradox of God. These are things about the kingdom of God and even God himself that sometimes doesn't add up to our human reasoning. We've been learning in the word of God that there's a lot more to God than we know of God. And so we're going to continue that theme this morning, and I'll get into it in just a moment. But let's go to John chapter 15. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. For every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. He says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, and he who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. Somebody say, much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is, a cast, he is a, cast out as a branch and withered and gathered and thrown into the fire to be burned. For if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So therefore you will be my disciples. Father, we thank you for this word this morning. We thank you, Lord God, for this lesson about bearing fruit, about abiding in the vine. And Father God, we just pray that this this word this morning would not be my words, but would be your word, and it would go deep into our hearts, Lord, and it would encourage our faith, and it would strengthen our faith, and it would uplift us, Father God, as we look to you, to those that bear fruit will be pruned, and those that do not will be removed. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Give two or three people a, a fist bump and tell them, I'm bearing some fruit. And you may be seated. Thank you, worship team. And didn't these guys do great this morning? Nancy and, and Steve and these guys jumping up there. I told them it blesses my heart to no end to, to be able to just step aside and, and know that the, the ship is still going to sail and things are still happening. And uh, I tell you, that that is just awesome. I hope you are in, able to enjoy the presence of God. So this morning, as I said, we're continuing the topic of the paradoxes of God. These situations and these characteristics of kingdom living that just don't, don't add up. Pastor Eddie's been, been preaching this all month long, and he asked me to, to, to fill in for him today so he could have a minute. He's been preaching messages like, uh, you have to give in order to receive You have to die in order to live. You have to serve in order to lead. And this morning, we're going to be talking about strength through suffering. We're going to call this one, less is more. Less is more. You might have heard this said this way, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. 
no pain, no gain. Well, there's a saying in my house that if you would ask any one of my kids, they would tell you what I say to them when they pout and complain about being told to do chores or something. You can ask them. This is what they'll say. It's good for you. That's what I tell them. They're falling in the floor, throwing a fit because they don't want to do something. I tell them, it's good for you. When they come home complaining because something didn't go their way at school, I say, it's good for you. Because what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. How many can testify to that? How many has been close to being killed, but you're stronger because of it? That's what we're talking about this morning. Less is more. Now, this is a hard lesson to learn. I began to think about a few illustrations. I don't know about you, but I'm that guy that when you go to God's favorite place, Ikea, and you buy a piece of furniture with the 300,000 million parts in instructions in another language. How many know what I'm talking about? You see this awesome display, and your wife goes, oh, I want that. Okay, dear. And that display comes in 14 boxes with a bunch of little teeny... How many know what I'm talking about? Okay. I'm that guy when I'm sitting there, and I'm putting that thing together, and I want it to be as tight as it can be. I want it to not wobble. I don't know if you're this way, but I'm this way. And I'm tightening it, and I'm feeling my hand hurt, and I'm feeling the screw get resistance. And what do you say? One more screw, and it's going to be right. And what happens? Pop. How many else is like that? Anybody? Do I got, okay, I got some people today. Or how about this one? In, in, in the music world, we always talk about this and when we're you know, putting a mix in a, in a concert or, or a worship service or something. You know, we want to turn this instrument up, and then we can't hear this one, so we turn this one up, and we can't hear that one, so we turn that one up. By the end of the night, it's all so loud, you can't even hear anything. Sometimes turning one thing down is the equivalent of 14 things up. Or how about you chefs that, you know, you're in the, the kitchen and you're cooking and you're tasting something and it just doesn't seem right. So you add some salt. Wow, that's a little bit too salty. Then you add some acid and then, no, that's just too much. Then you add some protein. By the time you're done, it's nowhere near the recipe. Why? Because sometimes less is more. Less is more. And this is the paradox because Jesus said right here, for those branches that bear fruit, he didn't say we're going to build a shrine to them. We're going to put a plaque in the garden of the church for them. We're going to highlight them because they bore much fruit. No, Jesus said, you're going to bear fruit. Guess what? I'm going to prune you down just a little bit. I'm going to cut you down just a little bit. I'm going to trim you up just a little bit. Why? So you can bear fruit. And the guy that doesn't bear any fruit gets removed. That's kind of backwards in our thinking because a lot of times, especially in our Western civilization that we live in, we think that, you know, we do a certain thing. Well, give me a pat on the back. Give me a pat on the back. Give me my own trailer with only blue M&Ms. And, and we turn into these divas. And, and, and it's so easy to do that because that's human nature. But God is saying that is not true. That is not true. So we're going to be talking about strength through suffering. Now, I, I got to tell you a little bit, whenever you talk about suffering, a lot of different things go through our minds. And, and I want to tell you just a few moments about suffering. There is a difference between hardships and things of this world and suffering for the name of Christ. There is. And I don't want to sound insensitive, but a lot of times I think in our church world, we almost kind of get the two confused. Listen, there are three entities at work in, in the world today. There is Satan, mankind, and God. Satan is a very real uh, influence. He's the evil influence of this world. He was a, a being that we all know the story, kicked out of heaven. He's the one that causes, causes people to murder and to, to hate and to, to do all this violence and to steal and rob and cheat and have adultery and all this stuff. This is what, this is what the devil does. He, his ultimate plan is to steal, kill, and to destroy. We know that. He is on a mission to destroy you and me and everybody in mankind. There is also mankind. There is also us. My pastor used to say it like this. If you don't put fuel in your car and it runs out of gas, don't rebuke the devil. 
if you don't do maintenance on your vehicle and you blow up the engine because it had no oil, that is not a demonic attack. I know this sounds harsh, but what he's saying is sometimes we need to take ownership of our own consequence. Now, Satan can work through those circumstances. Yes. Oh, yeah, the devil can do that. He can, he can manipulate situations, but I think we need to understand that we also have a part to play. And then there's God who catches the blame for everything. Why is, if there's a God, why is there suffering in the world? And I have to just say this because of the, what the rest I have to say won't make sense if I don't. If there's a loving God, how can suffering happen in the world? If, if God is a God of love, then why was there the Holocaust? If God is a God of love and all these things, and you've had those questions and I've had those questions. And you've had people ask you those questions and maybe you've asked other people those questions. That's a whole message in and of itself. But let me just tell you just a, few, just a few moments on that topic because we have to understand that while God gets the blame for most of it, it's all of it, it's not his fault. God never designed it this way. If you go back all the way to the book of Genesis in the garden, Adam and Eve were hanging out, having a good time, naming the animals and eating the fruit and enjoying the presence of God until sin entered the world when they disobeyed God. God is a God of love, and he gave us the most powerful gift that any loving person can give. Do you know what that is? That is the gift of free will. Somebody said that if you hold on tight to something, and when you let it go, if it doesn't return to you, you never really owned it. Put it to you this way. Have you ever seen a guy who, who oppresses his wife, maybe doesn't let her wear makeup, doesn't let her wear pretty clothes, doesn't let her talk to another male, doesn't let her drive, keeps her barefoot, and, 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 and just mistreats her and demeans her? What would we call that today? We would call the police is what we would do. Why do we hold God to a different standard? Because if God didn't give us the power of free will, then we would be the deprived robots. And God is saying, listen, I gave you the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, you have that now. And I gave my spirit to guide you through it, but I'm not going to control you because God does not want robots. He wants children who love him and who serve him. So why do we hold God to a different standard when we are tearing our world apart? So we're not going to talk too much about that this morning, but I had to just throw that out there talking about suffering. I, I want to put this in the correct context of following after God and living for Christ. Because the word suffering is mentioned over a hundred times in scripture. I wish I could tell you when you come to Christ, it's rainbows and Skittles and all the food you can eat. Somebody say amen. amen. But how many know that just ain't the case? That just ain't the case. So today's not to debate why the bad things happen in the world, but, but how to last through them. Because Jesus said very plainly, in this world, you will suffer persecution and suffer trials. You're going to have your friends betray you, your family betray you, your coworkers betray you, and you're going to live in a world and a society that, that you become the minority who disagrees with you, who tells you to go into the corner. You're going to live in that place but as we sang this morning, I love that's why one of the last things Jesus said is he said, y'all done messed up this world. I'm going to go prepare a new place for in my father's house, there is no more death. There is no more tears. There is no more scars. There is no more parting. There is no more violence. There is no more pain. I don't know about you, but I look for that day. But a day hasn't happened yet. We live here in the world. So we're going to talk about this strength through suffering. I, I pray to God that by the end of the day, we're out of here. You're looking forward to going through a suffering because you're going to learn the benefits of it. You're going to learn the goodness of it. You're going to learn the power of it is my prayer this morning. The Lord, I don't know if, if you're this way, but I, I'm this way, but I, God just 
speaks to me through the word of God, yes, but I find God speaking to me in situations like crazy anymore. You know, like I said a few weeks ago, the, when he told the prophet, go down to the potter's house, I'm going to tell you. And, and he began to watch this guy make pottery, and the Lord began to speak to him through that. God's been speaking to me like that. And, and uh, uh, I had no idea I was going to be preaching this message today. So about a year ago, you know, I've, one of the things I've always wanted to do is have a really cool yard. Just, I've always liked the, the, the flowers and the plants. And, and for those that have a good one, I always appreciate that. And I've tried for years. I just can't do it. I just don't have it. I don't have the green thumb. I must have an acid thumb or something because everything I plan just goes. It, so I've, res, I've, just, I've, I've just resorted to watching TV shows about other people's gardens. <laughs> and I found one on Netflix. And I don't know what it is, but I've, I've been drawn to the British garden shows. I have no idea why. I have no idea why. Maybe God's calling me to be a missionary to London. I have no idea. But I've been watching these shows, and my favorite gardener, Monty Don, you may, have not, you may not know him. You might know him. But he's got a few shows on Netflix, and, and one of them is called uh, Big Dreams and Little Spaces. And, and, and I've been watching this show for a long time, just, just watching it, and he comes in, and he helps these guys. And the Lord has begun speaking to me through this, and, and I began to jot things down, and I had no idea I was going to be preaching on this message of suffering. But as soon as my brother asked me to do it, these notes came into my mind. So... That's just how God works. But he began to speak to me as I began to watch these gardening shows of all things. He began to correlate scriptures like I just read to you and other scriptures about growing and seeding and planting and reaping and sowing. He began to put all this stuff together. Let me encourage you guys to don't limit God speaking to you just by reading. I mean, you need to walk with God and let God speak to you on the create. Let, let you look at a beautiful sunset and have an open mind to know that God is speaking to you there. Live in Christ. In him we have our being, right? The Bible says that. It doesn't say in him we attend service and then forget about him. No, it says that in him we live and we have our being and walk with him and talk with him. And so I began to talk about this guy, Monty Don. And so he, 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 one of the things he likes to do is he goes around to these two or three families in an episode, and they have these ideas of having this big giant garden. And he comes alongside of them because he's a master gardener. And he goes outside in the yard with them, and he says, okay, show me what you want to do. And they begin to point out this and point out that and want to do this over here and do one of these over there. And the, the series goes on that he always takes them inside, and he says, I want you to draw it on paper. And they begin drawing it on paper. So we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. But one of the things he likes to do is he likes to go in and he likes to prune these trees almost to nothing. And so as these guys are going through a big project of doing their garden, they're always relieved because they don't know what they're doing, like me, maybe like some of you. But they're relieved because Monty Don is the master gardener and they know they're in good hands. And the first thing I want to tell you, church, about going through times of pruning is that you are guarded by God. You are in the master gardener's plan. There is nothing on accident. You see, Jesus said, I am the vine and my father is the vine dresser. In fact, he said that word vine dresser means land worker. In other words, look, the land is all his. You don't have have to worry about it. But in order to bear fruit, you've got to work it. You've got to plant. You've got to weed. You've got to do all these things. The Bible says that we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. We need to know this morning that we are protected by the love of our Father. Never let the enemy blame, let you blame God for your suffering and during hard times. You need to understand this. I think we have it up on the screen. You need to make this your saying for a while. It says, you are created by God. You are loved by God. And you are protected by God. Let me say that again. You are created by God. You are loved by God. And you are protected by God. There is nothing that can happen to you that is too big that God can't bring you through. God doesn't cause the hardship but to come upon you. But he will cause you to grow stronger through it. Let me say that again. God doesn't cause the hardship, but he will cause you to grow stronger through it. Why? Because you're worth the investment. The Bible says in whom he chastens, 
he loves. We'll read about that in a few minutes. But you're worth the investment because like a, like a plant, like a flower, like a tree, you're a living thing. We had a neighbor that we, uh, a few uh, years ago, we lived in a different house, and there was a lady in our block. And we would notice that she always had her front of her house just full of flowers all the time, 12 months out of the year. And something didn't look right when in the middle of February you see these giant purple and pink and yellow daffodils and prims and I don't know what else, these big giant flowers. So we met her in the summer. She came down. She was walking her dog, and she was, she was telling us how much she loved flowers. And, in fact, she, she decorates the whole front of her house with artificial flowers, the whole entire front of the house so you could see it from the end of the street because it was so bright in the middle of, of January. But the problem with those is, yeah, they look good for a, for a season, but as the sun begins to shine and as the rain begins to fall and as life begins to beat them up, they disintegrate into nothing because they're artificial, kind of like costume jewelry. You, get, you ever look at costume jewelry next to a piece of real jewelry? They don't necessarily look the same. Costume jewelry, jewelry will be shinier and bubblier and bigger and larger and the colors are richer. But you, you, you have a bracelet or whatever, you just kind of, you knock at it over wearing it a few times, it begins to chip away. It begins to dent, it begins to break because it's artificial. It's not real, but you could have a diamond that is itty bitty and you can barely see it, but it's strong enough to cut glass because it's real. That's why we have to go through these times of suffering, this time of pruning. The next one is there is a cause for the cutting. Everybody say Purpose. There is a cause for the cutting. We see here in verse 8 of the text we just read that God is into fruit. He said, in fact, I want you to bear much fruit. Somebody say much fruit. In fact, when he created in Genesis, what was his blessing on, on everything he created? He would say, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. He said that to mankind. He said that we, when my wife and I were, were younger and having children, I would, we would, you know, when our fourth child came, I'll never forget my cousin from down south. She always thought she had something good to say. Pam, if you're listening, I love you, dear. But she would tell me, she'd say, now, Stevie, you know that that verse in Genesis, be fruitful and multiply, did not mean you and Lindsay. <laughs> That's the kind of family I grew up with, y'all. That's why I'm the way I am. But there is, Jesus describes two kinds of Christians here. He describes the fruitful and the non-fruitful. He talks about those that bear fruit, that get pruned, and he's talking about those that do not bear fruit and get thrown out. Jesus said very clearly, he said, I am the vine, and the only way you're going to produce fruit is by staying connected to me. Not connected to a church, not connected to a club, he said, but be connected to me. Why? Because he is the life source. He is the one that gives you strength to endure. He's the one that will give you the power you need to produce the fruit in your life. It is found only in God. Programs are cool, clubs are cool, events are cool, but it's only found in Christ is your source for strength. I think this is those in our lives, he's talking about two different kinds of Christians. I believe he's talking about those who have the spirit moving in their lives and those that do not. Those that do not bear fruit get cast out, withered, and burned. There's a teaching in and of itself there. He's saying that if you're going to find yourself in this Christian faith, when you're not bearing fruit, you're going to find yourself getting cast away, withdrawn. Don't have anything in, in fellowship, any common anymore with the believers. And then the next one, he says, you're going to wither up. You're going to find yourself spiritually withered up. And then cast into the fire, burned where nothing, nothing. Pruning is for those who are bearing fruit for the Lord and desire more of him. Let's look at this next scripture in Hebrews chapter 5. 
Let's read this together. It's talking about Jesus. He said, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. He learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Now, can we all agree that Jesus was a sinless person? I think we can all agree because the Bible tells us that. We can agree that Jesus was the Son of God. Do you think he had to learn anything? No, he didn't. But he walked this path, and he had to go through learning suffering, learning obedience by the things which he suffered. So, so, so shall you and I. It can't be helped. It can't be helped. Let's keep going. As I said a few moments ago, when the gardener came in and these guys had all these great big plans for the garden and they had all this big stuff, he would say, okay, now let's go in and let's draw it out on paper. Because how many know sometimes we can have some really high expectations of life and of ourselves, of our children, of our church, whatever the case is. But you know, we, have, we have some huge plans drawn. And so he would say, okay, we're going to sit down and we're going to draw these plans out. And so they would sit down and they would have a, want to have a fountain and they would want to have a gazebo. They'd want to have a circus. They'd want to have a Ferris wheel and a three ring pony show over here. And they want all this stuff in a little tiny backyard. And he would go, no, okay, time out. First of all, you don't have the budget for this. You don't have the space for that. You don't have the right soil for that. And begin to prick away and move away and prune away all their hopes and all their dreams. And they felt dashed. But at the end of the result, it came together as a beautiful masterpiece because the plans were drawn out. You see, we have to understand that the reason why there's cause for the cutting is that the gardener sees the entire garden. That you, you may be over here in your little corner patch when you're, you're the black-eyed Susans and you think you look all pretty and you're all nice and you know when to say amen and you got the biggest Bible in the church and you're ready to go, but you don't fit in with the rest of the garden. Your, 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 your color scheme doesn't fit in with the rest of the garden or, or I'm, you know, I'm talking in plants or, or, or you're, 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 you're too tall or you're, too, you're taking up too much room so he needs to trim you back a little bit so you fit in with, with the color palette and you fit in with, with the borders of the garden and you fit in with, with the seasons that you're planted in, all this type of stuff. But we don't like that, do we? I know I don't like that. That's why there's a cause for the cutting. There's two types of, of flowers and plants, and you, you probably know this, but I want to talk about this for a minute because I think this, this really is important. Because the reason that we get upset when God begins to trim us down a little bit, there's cause for the cutting, is because sometimes we have a tendency to have a, a, a tunnel vision, a present vision, and God has an eternal vision. God is working on a clock of eternity. There's two types of plants you can, you can plant. There are the perennials and there are the annuals. And I found this was, this was just, the Lord was just speaking in my heart because you've got those types of flowers that, that are on this tray and they got big, beautiful colors and they look beautiful. Yeah, I want that in my garden. And you bring it and you plant it, but it only lasts for a couple of months and then it's done. And then you wouldn't even know it's there. But then you got those that typically cost a little more, that require a little bit more work in the planting, a little bit more work in the care. But these are the plants that will spring up year after year and just grow bigger and grow better and grow stronger than anything else you could have planted. Why? Because it is like an eternal mindset. Church, let me tell you that we're only here for a short time. We're only here for a short time. Whether we agree with it or not, we are eternal beings. Whether we accept it or not, we are eternal beings. The Bible says that we are created in the image and likeness of God, and we will spend eternity somewhere, either in God's presence and where we just sang about this morning, or separated from God in all eternity. There are only two places, according to Scripture, that you're going to spend eternity. And that's Bible. That's not me. That's in here. That's in the book. So let us have the mindset of, of, an, eternal, of, an, of an eternal mindset in that, you know what? What I'm going through right now 
It may be painful, it may be suffering, and whatever the case may be, but I know it's going to be for my good. I know it's going to help me bear fruit because I'm going to last. And not put so much into our work and into, our, and into laboring in our life now because it's temporary. Amen? Jesus is a powerful scripture. It says that Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. We know that we're getting ready to celebrate Easter and the whole season, but many of us in the church are familiar with the horrific death that the crucifixion was. And the, and the, and the, the things around that scene were nothing that anyone in this room can compare to. Not, nothing. Nothing. And I, anything we go through would not compare to what he, has been, what he went through. But the Bible says that he endured the cross for the joy set before him. What if Jesus was living in a temporary state of mind? What if Jesus was living in a state of mind of waking up that day saying, oh, I don't want to do this? Because the Bible says he's, he did that. You remember his prayer in the garden? He didn't go into the prayer with a big, the garden with a big Pentecostal prayer. And, and no, the Bible says that he was over weeping over a, ro- over, the, over a rock and he was weeping. And the Bible says that he was so full of anguish that his sweat became great drops of blood. He didn't want to do that. And what did he say? He said, Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. I don't want to do this. He prayed that three times and then he would say at the end, he said, Lord, your will be done, not mine. If I have to drink it, if that's the only way for it to pass, then I will. He sees your present in light of your potential. He weighs the present suffering with your eternal potential. In those times when you think you're going to die, in those times, I remember being in high school, we had a coach that loved to have us run suicide drills. I don't think they call them that anymore. I think that's too politically incorrect to use that term. I think they call them something else now. But we used to call them suicides, and we would run those things for an hour straight, and we would be dying. And people vomiting. I mean, we thought we were going to die. We all hated that coach. We all hated that coach. Still do. No, I don't. (laughs) But you know what we found? We found that when we started playing these teams, you know, they might have been a little more skilled than us, but we were a lot faster than they were. And we were able to get around, and we were able to do it, but you know, the coach was helping us to get some strategy, help us to get us into shape. It made us a better player, but at the time, oh, we hated it. Oh, we hated it. And so that brings us to, to the next point. If you have your Bible still open, listen, I wanted to turn to, to this scripture with me if you have it in Hebrews. Um, we're going to talk about this for a minute. Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to read this. I may skip around just a little bit, but Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7. We're going to talk about the bending and the breaking. Everybody say process. So there's a purpose. There's a process. Listen to this in verse 7, Hebrews 12, 7. He says, for if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, I think this was my dad's favorite verse in our house growing up. But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them great respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For indeed, for a few days chastening us seems to be best to them, but it is for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Watch this. This is it right here. No chastening seems to be joyful for that present time, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. How many has been trained by that? How many know what I'm talking about? 
as a father, you have a duty to let your knucklehead son learn some lessons so he doesn't grow up to be a knucklehead man. As a father, you have a, as a mother, as a parent, you have a duty to train your knucklehead daughter so that she doesn't grow up to be a knucklehead woman. So shall we, the heavenly father raises his people because we bear his name and we act a fool sometimes. And here we are with the name of Christ and we're embarrassing him by not acting like Christ. And Jesus is saying, okay, you know what? We got a process for that. We used to say, I got something for him. Is that too holy to say on Sunday morning? So I brought some things with me today. These are one of the little tools that you may use in your garden. I picked one of these up last summer and go out there and do my trimming. That word pruning, listen, the word pruning, this is actually what it means. It means to cleanse, to purify, and to prune. It's, it's not just the snipping. And we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. But it's, it's, it's treating this plant in such a way that it is, it is going to help it in every way. There's two types of ways God does this. There is direct and indirect. Or you could say it like this. There's direct and there's the environment. And there's the environment. When I was trying to get into doing some barbecuing some years back, I, I uh, would learn that I would burn everything or everything would be underdone but look black on the outside, cut it open, and it's not. I didn't know what I was doing. So somebody graciously gave me a book for my birthday, I believe, or Father's Day 1. And I studied that book almost like the Bible, man. I was highlighting stuff and drawing notes and memorizing. Page 35 says, put that chicken on 425. But I begin, the name of the book was called Taming the Flame because when you're barbecuing, the, the biggest thing you got to learn how to do is tame the flame. If, you're, if it's too hot, you're going to burn everything. If it's too low, then nothing will ever get done. And I learned there's a method of cooking called indirect heat or direct heat. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You may know this. And so this is what you would learn back in the day when I was using charcoal grill. You would learn that you'd get your charcoals nice and hot and ready to go, and then you would put them on one side of the grill, of, of the bottom of the grill. And so you would have one side that would be really hot to put that nice sear on that steak and those nice lines and then after a few moments you put it to the other side where there's no coals under it but the heat from the other side keeps it at a nice temperature to circulate now i sound like an infomercial (laughs) so buy my barbecue grill after service in the parking lot (laughs) all proceeds go to the building fund but there's two ways that Jesus does it. He, you know, he's, he's got these shears. He's got, he's got these little tools that he likes to use because there's a difference between leaves and fruit. Leaves and fruit. The Bible says that Jesus came to a fig tree and he wanted some figs. You can read it for yourself. He says this. He said he came to a fig tree and he wanted some figs and there was leaves on the tree. So he went over to the tree and he began to look and the Bible says there was no fruit on it. What do you think Jesus did to that tree? He cursed it. He sure did. And the Bible says that when they went into the town and came back out, that tree was withered up. Our loving Jesus did that. And the Bible, and the Lord spoke that to me years ago. And he said, Steve, how many of our Christians in our churches are bearing leaves? But at my coming, I'm going to find no fruit. Oh, I got on my knees even in that moment. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to just be bearing leaves and looking good and smelling good and sounding good. I want to have some fruit for my king. I want to have some fruit of the spirit in my life. But I also learned that in some trees produce fruit, but the fruit's not good for the rest of the garden. So guess what? He gets these little scissors out. And he starts trimming. He starts trimming away a little bit of that pride. Starts trimming away a little bit of that selfishness. 
He starts trimming away some of, that, some of that insecurity that we have. He starts trimming away some of that little problem that we have here, some of that little problem that we have here. But, you know, I've also learned that he, God doesn't just prune away even the bad stuff because some of the stuff we think is good is actually in the way. As I said a few moments ago, sometimes a plant would just look out of place or be out of place to a grand scheme. So shall a plant can grow the wrong way. And you might have a good fruit, and the Lord comes up to you and snips that good fruit right off. Let me give you an instance. Maybe you come, and maybe you can sing like Celine Dion. Maybe you can sing like Aretha Franklin. Maybe you can play, I don't know. You, you, I mean, you can do those great stuff, and you come to the church, and we say, guess what? We don't need you to sing. We need you to wash the windows. Oh, but I'm a great orator, and I can preach better than anyone in this church, and I know the word of God, and I want to come, and I want to be behind the pulpit. That's great, brother, but we need an usher. Oh, I got this idea. I want to do this for God. I want to do this, and I want to go there. But God is saying that's a good idea, but maybe not right now. You see what I'm saying? Even the good stuff in our lives that we get all proud and pompous and ready to go, God is saying not right now. Because he knows, hey, it's going to grow back. He knows that it's going to produce more fruit if you want it. But in the moment, ooh, that doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. How about those personality traits that don't line up with God? That's just the way that I am. Well, the Bible says to not be that way. Well, I can't help myself. Jesus said, I don't give you my spirit to help yourself. You say, well, that's just the way God made me. God is coming up. He's saying, yeah, but I remade you according to Christ. Oh, I got to stop preaching. I got to save something for 1130. This is why, because the master gardener knows what he's doing. He's not a hack like me. If you came to my house, you'd see my bushes lopsided and everything. So don't come to, don't act like, don't you, I want you to think I'm some kind of master gardener because Lord knows I'm not. But this is what happens. Thank you, dear. But this is what happens is the master gardener, as I said, he has an eye for that tree. Some of y'all that are really good, and there's some in the house that are really good. And there's some of you guys that know how to take that tree and you know how, what branches to cut. There's branches that I would watch this guy cut that had tons of fruit on it. I thought, why would you cut that one? Because it's going the wrong way. Because the rest of the tree, he's able to look at that tree and see that it's lining up in a certain way according to the sunlight. Or maybe there's a fence there. Or maybe there's a sight line there. I can't see the pool real good, so I'm going to cut that off. Or you know what? It's got too much stuff on it, and it's breaking the branch. i got to cut that off. There's all kinds of reasons, but we need to understand that we're in good hands. Like I said before, we're guarded by God. And the, the cause for the cutting is ultimately for our good to fit in God's garden. And he is cutting us, and he is trimming us so that we can fit into the bigger picture. Amen? Sometimes he has to take away the good. Now, the second one is this. The second one is the environment. I love this one. Now, this is the, when God does something that's kind of sneaky. How many know that God can sometimes be sneaky? God will use these tools, and sometimes you're just going to get flat out told no. Or sometimes you're going to get flat out you know, something you try to do doesn't work. And those are those moments when God's got those shears out. These are those other moments when things you don't see it coming, but yet it's happening. You know how like your son all of a sudden one day is taller than you, and you don't know how that happened? You know what I'm talking about? Then your daughter gets taller than you. Then your 12-year-old is looking you in the eye. That's why I thank God for my Josiah. He's still... That's right. But these are those things that happen and they sneak up on you. You don't know it. It's called the environment or the indirect heat. Let me tell you a little story. When a few years ago, when Lindsay and I got real ambitious about our front yard, man, we were going to make this thing the, 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 the covetousness of the block. 
Because I got one neighbor whose house does look like a magazine. And so we were going we to give them a run for the money. We didn't change the color of the mulch. We went and got some land. We were digging holes. And we spent hundreds of dollars on all these plants. Not one of them is still in our yard to this day, by the way. But we came. We, we picked out. Man, we planted. I was out there like a planting fool, man. My back was aching. And I was out there for a whole weekend. And, and at the end, I was all proud. And we had this one plant. I still don't know the name of it. But it was the most beautiful flower you could think of. It was, pur- or it was a light pink and yellow or, or not, pink and white. And it was a sprawling flower. Oh, it was beautiful. And it produced tons of little blossoms about as big as your thumb, but they were so beautiful. And this thing was the size of a medicine ball. It was huge, and we planted it. And so we'd get out there in the morning. This was, um, we had a vacation week or something. So I'd get up in the morning, and I'd go out there, and she'd have her coffee. I'd have my Coke, and we'd be sitting at the, in the chair looking. And I'd notice that this plant all of a sudden was just a little bit smaller. Okay, didn't think much of it. Every single morning we got up and this plant got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller till at the end where it was nothing but green, it looked like parsley. It was just green sprouts up. So we began to, I began to stay up late and I began to get up early and I found we had little bunny rabbits in the neighborhood. Oh yeah, those little cute vermin is what they are. And these things would come and before we would know it, they'd come hop over all cute and just eat your whole plant. I paid $20 for that plant, and I spent an hour planting it, and this little stupid rabbit comes and eats the thing. So I was on a mission. I was almost Caddyshack level mention. You know what I'm talking about. I was at the store getting all kind of sprays and all kind of stuff and all the stuff that made my whole front yard smell like deer urine and mothball. I tried everything. Nothing would work. You know what finally worked? And I'm going somewhere with this. You know what I read in a magazine? That you got to plant an offensive flower next to the ones you want to protect. AKA marigolds. Now, I love marigolds. I think they're one of my, visually, one of my favorite flowers, but they're a derivative of a weed and they smell really bad. So, what I did is I made a little perimeter of marigolds right around this plant. So, when you saw my garden, you saw all these colors and then marigolds in a circle around a plant. That rabbit did not touch that plant for the rest of the season. How many know that God can put some people that don't smell so good, that don't act so good, that don't look so good in your life for a reason? He's got them and you rub you the wrong way to do things that aggravate you just on purpose because he's trying to do something in your life. That's called environment. Another lesson that I learned from, from Monty Don is that he would go over there. Now, this is in Britain. I understand it's not here in America. But he would go to these guys, and these guys would have the greenhouses and the, and the hot houses. And, I, and he went to one. And listen, this is talking about the environment. Because these guys would have, you know, the hot house, this little shed, and they would have all these little tiny plants in there. And they'd have the windows closed and the doors closed and the thing almost airtight. And, I, and I've, I, this is what the Lord spoke to my heart. As he walked into one one time, and he opened the door, and he had tons of flowers inside. He said, what are you doing to these flowers? And they said, we're trying to protect them. He said, you're actually killing them. You're making them so weak that when you decide to plant them, they're going to be dead in the first cold day. He said, this is what you're supposed to do. Open all the windows. Open all the doors. Now, they may not do it like this here, but that's how they do it over there. He said, open all the windows and all the doors to let as much air in so that little seedling and that little plant comes to the verge of dying, but it won't die. But you're going to be twice as strong for it. Can I tell you sometimes, church, that God will take you out of your incubator. He will take you out of your comfort zone on purpose for you think you're on the verge of dying but it's for your good because when he finally gets you out of that environment and he plants you into a place when you're unfamiliar with you're going to thrive and you're going to live somebody give God some thanks for that this morning amen I could park at any of these I just want to keep going this morning there was another thing interesting I found out is there's certain types of plants 
that when they're not constricted, they grow, and they grow with beautiful leaves and foliage, but they don't produce any flowers. And he went to this one type of plant, and he, he, told the, he named the plant, and he said, that plant is actually supposed to be having flowers in it. He said, but the problem is you have it in a too big of an environment, and it's, it's growing and it's spreading, but there's no flowers on it. So what he has to do is sometimes take that plant out and put it in an itty-bitty pot to add some extra pressure to that plant, to add some extra uncomfortableness to that plant, to add some extra mmm to that plant because it's going to force nutrients through, that, through the root system and through the stalk, and it's going to not produce green but produce flowers. Have you ever had those moments when you feel like God is just putting you in a pot smaller and a pot smaller, almost like wearing too small of shoes where you're just aching and you're just breaking and nothing is happening? He's putting pressure on you because he's saying, I know you're supposed to produce fruit and you're only producing leaves and you don't know any different. So I'm going to put you in this little tiny pot and I'm going to restrict you and I'm going to constrict you and I'm going to twist you and I'm going to push you and I'm going to squeeze you because I know you got more. Be encouraged during those times. Be encouraged during those times. Because God is working something in your life. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. We're going to rejoice. Another thing that the gardeners do sometimes when they're, when they're wanting a branch or, or a vine to grow a certain way, they will put a wire out and, and these little posts and they will, they will, they will twisty tie the, the limb in a certain direction and make it the, so the vine goes in a certain direction or in another certain direction. Sometimes God does that in our hearts and sometimes God does that in our lives where he will, he will take us into what we want to go left but he wants us to go right. So he's going to take us and he's going to tie us down to this thing called the word of God. He's going to tie us down to this thing called the character of Christ when it's something I don't feel like doing, when it's something that I naturally want to go this way but, I, but he wants me to go that way so he's going to get us and he's going to tie us down. It's in those moments, friend, that don't resist the work of God. In those moments, take a minute and say, God, what are you showing me? God, what is it that you want me to do for you? Because God doesn't do anything for no reason. Amen? Amen. The next point, and, and the last, we got one more, and it's going to be fast, I promise. I'll get you out of here on time. The next one is this, overtaken from underneath. Overtaken from underneath. How many have learned in life that it's usually what you don't see coming hurts you the worst? It's that blindsided sucker punch of betrayal of a family member, betrayal of a friend, a prayer that just never gets answered. It's these things that you cannot see. The invention of the submarine changed marine warfare forever because they, they would battle on the surface, but then they, one, one day a guy got the bright idea to go under the water changed the landscape of, of um, maritime war forever because they were able to go underneath, undetected, unseen. So I want to talk about this. We're going to call this the root system. Everybody say root system. What is a root system? A root system is the unseen part of a plant, a tree, whatever the case is, that's under the soil. You can't see it. But what this root system does is it produces what's above. The, roots, the root system takes all the nutrients from the soil, all the water from the soil, all the things from the soil, and pushes it up to the plant, pushes it up to the tree, and the tree begins to produce things. That's why you got those things in your garden that you just break off, those weeds that just seem to come back two days later. You got those trees that you cut down and they come back two weeks later. It's because there's something deeper. There's something called a root system. There's something called a root system. And these are some dangers that we, when we go through times of suffering, I believe these are the root systems that Satan wants to put in our hearts. The first one is a root of rebellion. In my backyard, I, in my, and just out of nowhere, I had a patch of grass that produced these flower, um, these flower-looking purple things. 
They, I don't know what they were. They were about that tall, and they were these purple. They weren't a flower that I recognized. They were, and I noticed as the summer progressed, they went from a patch this big to a patch this big to actually a, like a quarter of my yard in this certain part. And I, I text my cousin who, who does a lot of that stuff, and he, he texts me back what it was. It was a very invasive branch of the weed. And what this was is this, I kept plucking them. I kept cutting them with my lawnmower. The problem was there was a root system in there. And the root system can be a root system of rebellion when we go through these hard times of suffering. Let me tell you, church, we may have, we may have untapped potential as, as a person. We may have giftings to give. But if we have a root of rebellion and we're not harnessed in, no one can enjoy the fruit of who we are. A lot of us sometimes pray, God, why don't I have this? God, why can't this door open? Why can't I do that? It's because you haven't allowed him to harness you. No one can enjoy a flower unless you're able to look at it. No one can enjoy a plant if it's just growing everywhere and doing it. Over t- it's invasive. We use this word. It's toxic. It, be- it begins to kill the pretty grass you're trying to plant because it's got its own agenda. And all of a sudden you want this side of the yard to look a certain way, but guess what? Root, a bit, root, root of rebellion comes in and starts putting its face right in the way. Let me give you a warning, church. When you go through these times of suffering, those are one of the first ones to spring up. Well, it ain't going my way anyway. I'm just going to make it go my way. You got a root of rebellion, friend. God will never honor that. He will never honor that. Let's go to this next verse. Another root. This is a powerful one. In Hebrews chapter 12, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled. Somebody say many. By this, many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. Let me tell you about Esau just for a moment in case you're, unforget- uh, uh, you're forgetting. Esau was a victim of his circumstances in the end. This is when the root of bitterness takes hold in our lives. When prayers don't get answered, when breakthroughs don't get answered, when things don't happen the way we want, watch out for that root of bitterness. Because when you become a victim of your circumstances, things that were done to you that you didn't want to be done to you, you become a bitter person inside. A bitter person inside. We all know the story that Esau was, he he gave his birthright to his brother for some soup, but in the end, his other brother tricked his father into getting his blessing. Esau was bitter. Esau became violent. Esau became bitter. Friend, let me give you the warning of a root of bitterness. It will toxify your entire life. When you become bitter and you've got a root of bitterness, you can't pluck the fruit. You can't just one day, I'm going to feel better today. No, you've got a root of bitterness. I remember a story. Let me give you another friend of mine that I use. This will be my last point. Say hello to my little friend. A couple of summers ago, I had a tree in my backyard Man, I was out there trying to get this thing because it was growing up into my fence and it was breaking a part of my fence. And I was out there with the little thing. I was out there with a hacksaw. I was out there with electric trimmer. And I'll never forget it was summer. It was getting late. I'd been out there all day. And I was, nothing was happening to this thing. So I was tired. I was thirsty. I was hungry. But I was, at the end of the day, this tree was going to get out of my yard because now it was personal. So I got in my car, I looked at my watch, I had just a few minutes to get down to the store before the hardware store closed, and I looked down at my watch, and I raced down there, and I grabbed one of these babies. And I came back to the yard, and I was hot. 
I, was, I had my shirt off. I was dripping sweat. I had dirt all over me, but I didn't care. And I began to take this axe, and I began to just wail on it as hard as I could to knock that root thing out. And sometimes, church, you got to do that in your life. You got bitterness springing up. You got to get uncomfortable and get it out of your life. You got bitterness. You got rebellion. You got to get uncomfortable and get that thing out of your life. And you got to work hard, and you got to get it out of your life because it's going to ruin your life. There is another root that will help you, and it's called the root of righteousness. Jesus said this. He said, when a seed goes into the ground, it, it dies. And he said, it's going to produce fruit. See, the church, there's a difference between solitaire and solitude. There's a difference between surrender and submission. It all has to do with our will. Man, I don't have time to develop all of this. I'm out of time. But this is important. This is real important, church. I wish I could spend more time on it. But there is that season when God is trying to plant something new in your life, and you're going to feel all alone. You're going to feel like your prayers aren't getting answered. You're going to feel like there's no, what's the point? It's not working for me. It works for everybody else, but it doesn't work for me. Church, let me tell you, it's in those moments. Don't give up. It's in those moments when you feel alone. Let me tell you, you're not alone. Let me tell you that God is putting some pressure on you, and he's doing some things in your life because he's wanting to redo your root system. But I can tell you there's a day coming when you've treated the soil, you've put fertilizer are in it. You've put water in it. You've cultivated it. One day, you're going to look out there, and you're going to see a little tiny thing come up out of the ground. One day, you're going to see a little tiny sprout come out of the ground, and that's you, and that's me if we would just hang with it to understand that during these times that God is pruning and God is trimming, there's a reason for it. And that brings me to my last point called the fragrance of the faithful. The fragrance of the faithful. In our yard growing up, my mom had tons of rose bushes and there was one rose bush that outshined them all. It was this big, giant white rose. This thing was the size of a softball. And on a good, clear day, you could smell that rose across the entire yard. But let me tell you, that rose didn't get there overnight. That rose had to go through some of the stuff that we talked about just now. It had to be planted. It had to be trimmed. It had to be treated. It had to be washed with water and treated with, with stuff. It had, to, it had to go through it. But the Bible says it talks about the fragrance of his son the fragrance of his son. We are to reflect the fragrance of his son. Use your story to give God some glory. Amen? Amen. And, and, and I, I have to kind of wrap it up, but one of my favorite movies and my favorite movie series is the Captain America series. You guys remember that, the Captain America movies? My favorite thing is that in the movie before Captain America becomes Captain America and he's little Steve Rogers, and you know the story, you've seen the movie, he's in the back of the alley and he's getting beat up and he's getting knocked around. And what happens? He gets to his feet and he goes, I could do this all day. Some of us need to get the anointing of Captain America in our lives. Come on now, I'm just telling you. A little thing goes our way and we just fall on the floor. I'm giving up, God. No, he's saying, come on, you need to stand up. You need to stand up because sometimes getting a victory is just standing on your feet. I don't have the strength to punch. I don't have the strength to kick, but I'm going to stand up because I could do this all day. There's two other scriptures that I don't really have time to, to share them. Why don't you go ahead and stand to your feet? Uh, worship team, I want to ask you to come up. Because Jesus says in Hebrews 5, 9, he says this, this says this about Jesus, and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. We need to understand, church, that sometimes we go through things, prunings and trimmings and sufferings, and it's for our benefit, but sometimes it's for God to use our story to encourage somebody else. What book of the Bible do you go to when you go to a hard time? Job? Job had to live Job. But how many of us have gotten comfort out of the story of Job and others in the word of God? You don't know the people that are going to get comfort out of your story that you're in right now. 
like a tree that gets planted. That tree that could be hundreds of years old had to go through some storms, had to go through some hurricanes, had to go through some seasons of drought. But guess what? It had a good root system. Guess what? It allowed itself to be pruned, and it's still standing. Some of y'all are doing good to just be standing today. Who's in the house that I'm talking to? Be encouraged because we've all had those times. Be encouraged that God is making you something good. And he's going to make you be something good because the Bible says in Exodus chapter 10, it says this. I don't think we have it. We might have it. But God is saying, he told Moses, listen to this. He said, now the Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart. Yeah, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. This is why. And the hearts of his servants. Do we have the next one? Do we have two? And that you may tell in the hearing of your children the mighty things that I have done. Church, you might be going through a time right now, and guess what? God is orchestrating it on purpose because he knows the exact formula to get the fruit he wants out of your life, not only for your benefit, for your children's benefit. And you can rock your grandbaby in your arms and say, life was always not always good for me, but I hung in there because I followed after God. You're going to be a testimony to your children. Amen? Let me leave you with one last statement. Growth, your breakthrough, isn't the absence of opposition, but it is the product of pushing through. Your breakthrough isn't the absence of opposition. It's a product of pushing through. A lot of times we think, oh, my life would be great if. Oh, things would make sense in my life if this was a certain way or this wasn't in my life or I didn't feel this way or I didn't look this way or my bank account didn't look this way. Listen, growth, your breakthrough is a product of you pushing through. Amen. I'm going to call our altar workers. Would you come and take a place? I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads just for a moment. I'm gonna, we're going to have a moment of prayer to end the service. We have just a couple of minutes. These individuals that are down here are prayer, prayer partners. They're trained and, 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 and sent out from, from the church. And You might be in this place this morning, and maybe you're going through a hard time, and you just need some encouragement. In just a moment, we're going to go out with one last song. In any part of this song, I'm going to encourage you to come and talk to one of the altar workers, and they're going to pray with you. You're, there's another class of people that are here that maybe you're a seed, but you haven't been planted yet. You know there's more to life, but you just don't know what it is. You know that, there, that God's some, got something more for you, but you just don't know what it is, friend. You need to be what, come to the cross of Calvary and let God give you his purpose of your life. You need to give your life to him. You need to become born again. You need to present yourself to him because he's got a greatness for you. And maybe you're going to see a doctor this week and just want some prayer for healing. If you fall into any one of those categories, we're going to begin singing this last song. And I'm just going to encourage you to come, and they're, not, they're, not, they're just going to pray with you. That's all they're going to do. And just tell them your need this morning. Amen? Come on, let's sing. Come on down, friend. Don't wait for somebody else. If you need prayer this morning. else. Come on down and find, find one of the guys to pray with you. That's fine.
anybody else want some prayer this morning? Come on down. We got a couple over here. pray this morning. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this word that gone forth today. Lord, we thank you for the lesson. Father God, I pray that for strength for every one of us, God, that we would endure the pruning, that we would endure the trimming, Lord, because we know that you have something better for us and you're making us into the person you want us to be, Lord, that we would bear much fruit for you. Father, I pray for those of us that are maybe going through a hard time right now that would be encouraged, would be strengthened, Father God, to, to put our faith in you and trust in you, Lord, that you are going to see us through and we're going to be the better for it, Lord God. And Father, I pray that as we go our separate ways, Lord, that, that this word would deep, go deep down into our hearts, Father God, and that we would find you this week, that we would serve you and we would follow you every day this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org. River of Life Assembly of God, a church of His presence, His promises, and all people.